From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up on this Wednesday edition. Last night was a difficult evening for Democrats. The Democratic Party has wildly misread their mandate and let the radical left run the country. That was Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell earlier today. What are we to make of yesterday's election results in Virginia in particular, where Republicans won seats they had not held for over a decade? What were the driving issues that energized voters? We'll talk with Arkansas Senator John Bozeman. And a little bit later, we'll talk with Georgia Congressman Jody Heiss. He'll weigh in on yesterday's election results as well. And speaking of election results, President Biden was wrapping up his day yesterday, his climate confab in Scotland, and gave his prediction. Democrat Terry McAuliffe is struggling in a state that you won by 10 points. Do you see, do you see his problems as a rebuke of your presidency? And could this signal your real losses for Democrats in the midterms? We're going to win. I think we're going to win in Virginia. The president was clearly wrong about the election. What about his uh, green new policies and what he's proposing? Is he wrong about that as well? We'll talk about it a little later here on Washington Watch. And the actual rule that will impose President Biden's vaccine mandate is expected to be released tomorrow. In advance of the release, 40 Republican senators made clear earlier today they would be fighting the mandate. This is a subject of personal liberty, being able to make these kinds of decisions yourself and not the heavy hand of government coming forward. That was Indiana Senator Mike Braun, who is spearheading the effort. We'll get more on the mandate resistance from one of the senators that has been fighting this from the very start. Kentucky Senator Rand Paul will be joining me in just a moment. And finally, Democrats are still trying to convince themselves to pass the president's nearly $2 trillion Build Government Bigger program. Build Back Better will be fully paid for and will ultimately relieve our nation's inflationary pressures. Don't take my word for it. Many leading economists have made this clear, had made clear that this legislation would improve, not worsen inflation in this country. I just don't think that adds up. That was uh, Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer on the Senate floor. We'll get the latest from the ranking member on the House Ways and Means Committee, Texas Congressman Kevin Brady, a little later here on Washington Watch. Also, uh, Brent Kylan is going to be joining me to give us a wrap up on the details of the Virginia election outcome yesterday. Tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, this week's edition of Pray Vote Stand. What does a post-Roe v. Wade world look like? Is the church prepared? I'll be joined by Arkansas Attorney General Leslie Rutledge, Abby Johnson, and CareNet CEO Roland Warren will be joining us tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, PrayVoteStand.org. I hope you'll join us. And speaking of abortion, from coast to coast, border to border, we will pray together for life on Sunday evening, November the 28th. And I invite you to join us. Find out more about this special event that will be taking place in Jackson, Mississippi, the epicenter of the court case that will be heard by the Supreme Court on December the 1st, three days after our gathering. To find out more, text the word TOGETHER to 67742. That's the word TOGETHER to 67742. Forty Republicans in the U.S. Senate plan to strike down the rule that the Federal Register is expected to publish maybe tomorrow, but certainly by the end of the week, that will require private companies with more than 100 employees to either force their staff to give a, get a COVID shot, submit to regular testing, or lose their job. The Republican senators, led by Senator Mike Braun of Indiana, the ranking member on the Senate Help Committee, the Subcommittee on Employment and Workplace Safety, will attempt to force the Senate to vote on a resolution disproving of the rule under the Congressional uh, Review Act. With me now to talk about the latest pushback against the Biden administration's overreach is one of the senators who joined Senator Braun this morning and has been fighting this from the very start. Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky, who serves as a member on the Health, Education, Labor and Pensions Committee. Senator, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me. Although almost all of the Republicans are behind this effort right now, I think you've got 40, 41, you've got a handful of Republicans that 
weren't with you this morning. But to stop this rule, it will require more than just 50 Republicans. It will require at least uh, one or two Democrats. Can this be done? You know, some battles we don't win, but it's still worth having the battle. Um, I'm reminded of the right to life and the pro-life battles we have. We lose a lot of times, but it's still worth it. Um, This is a battle that's worth enjoining. We probably won't win, but we have the battle publicly, and it helps people to decide in 2022, do you want people who come into your medical uh, office, into your doctor's office, and tell you what kind of things you have to take as far as a patient that get between you and your doctor? So ultimately, we probably don't have the votes, but it's worth having. And I think what you saw in the election uh, in Virginia and New Jersey last night is there's a wave of dissatisfaction over this enormous government that's getting involved in our medical lives, our business lives, our personal lives. And so I think the battle's worth it. I doubt we finally get enough votes, but we'll be close. I think we'll be close to the 50, but you have to get to 51. Well, given what took place uh, in Virginia in particular, but other places across the country, do you not think that maybe some of the Democratic, uh, your Democratic colleagues uh, in the Senate and some over in the House might be thinking a little bit more about self-preservation? You would think. You would think that's the message they would get. Instead, what I've been hearing on television today is Democrats moving forward and saying, oh, the only reason we didn't win is we didn't get enough of our agenda through fast enough, and they see us as being ineffective. I think that's the wrong message. I think the message is, They've been spending too much, borrowing too much, that people are seeing inflation in the grocery store. They're seeing rising prices at the gas pump. And they frankly don't believe all the Democrats sort of you can have something for free, that there is a free lunch that everybody can have or free daycare or free school. I think people are smarter than that. I think people were rightly upset about the nightmarish withdrawal from Afghanistan. So there's a lot of things going on and none of it really um, uh, very appealing to the American voter. So, no, I think these things are a disaster, but I'm not sure the Democrats have gotten the right message. Some of them are hunkering down saying, oh, no, we just need to get our, our agenda, our socialist big spending agenda through quicker, which I think is the wrong lesson. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been hearing that same message, and I've been uh, stunned uh, by that because the message coming from voters is the exact opposite. It's not that they haven't succeeded in getting their agenda through. It's that they succeeded too much in getting what they're wanting to do, and that is moving the nation toward a socialist country. Uh, let me uh, move on to a related note. Last night, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention signed off on giving the Pfizer uh, shots to millions of kids ages 5 to 11. How concerned are you about this, that this could lead to mandates, that once they've given this green light to the shots for tots, we're going to see this being mandated for kids to go to school and elsewhere? I think without question, the next step is the government will try to force you to be uh, get vaccinated for COVID at every age. They're going to eventually try to force everybody and say, you can't go to school, you can't participate in sports, you can't participate in band or choir or any of the extracurriculars unless you're vaccinated. I don't think the science supports that. In fact, the science actually tells me the opposite. If I had a child that was 5, 10, or 15 years old, and they told me that uh, he had to be, he or she had to be vaccinated, my first question would be, well, what if they've already had it? And there is a test. I would go to my pediatrician and I would say, can you test my child to see if he's had COVID? Because if he or she has had it, I think there may be an increased risk from being vaccinated if you've already had the disease. There is some conjecture that the rare complication of myocarditis, particularly in young males, is more common in in young males who have already had the disease who then get inoculated. So the vaccine studies actually exclude people if you've already had the disease. So when they say the vaccine is safe, they're saying safe, but they haven't tested it and people already had COVID because they thought that would confound their studies. So they excluded kids who have already had COVID from the vaccine safety studies. So I think there are still some unknowns. I think this is not a not lethal disease for kids. And particularly if your your kids have already had the disease, in no way, shape or form is this a lethal disease for someone who's already suffered and recovered and is under the age of 18. So none of the science supports this. It's mostly because Fauci won't admit natural immunity. He thinks we have to vaccinate the kids because over 100 million Americans have already had the disease. He doesn't count them at all. 
So if they're not counted, he still feels, oh, we're woefully short on vaccinated. So he thinks we have to force you to vaccinate your kids. It's all based on bad science. Well, speaking of that, I mean, the White House is crowing over the fact that the president's uh, pending mandate has already had an effect, saying that 70 percent of adults in the United States are now fully vaccinated and 80 percent have received at least one shot, uh, which they call a major milestone. This amounts to more than 190 million people receiving at least one dose of a vaccine or shot. You add to that the number of people who have already had the virus and have natural immunity. I mean, what is sufficient? I mean, we're at we're at 80 percent having one dose. I mean, what we have to get 85 percent, 90 percent. I mean, what is going to satisfy them? Well, and realize that the vast majority of people who have been vaccinated so far have done so voluntarily. Just listening to the information over age 65, over 90% of people have voluntarily agreed to take the vaccine because they listened to this and they heard that this was a disease that is much more de- deadly for those over 65. And guess what? The American people are smart. Most of them chose to be vaccinated. And I think that's great. But the thing is, is they say it's not enough. This is purely because they're discounting the over 100 million people that have gotten it. If you count them, plus the 90% of 65-year-olds that got vaccinated, Plus, over age 50, I think it's 75 percent. But this isn't the mandate that caused this. Voluntarily, people chose to get vaccinated. Still, the people who are largely unvaccinated are the younger, healthier people. And most of them will be fine. But I'm still not saying don't get vaccinated. I think if you have risk factors, by all means, or if you just feel more comfortable, by all means, do it. But we shouldn't mandate it. A mandate for someone to inject something in your body is not consistent with a free society and not consistent with our founding as a country. And I actually think it is a barrier to some people getting the vaccine uh, because they're not going to do it if they're being forced to do it. Exactly right. And I made this point. They talk about vaccine hesitancy, and I blame Dr. Fauci more than anybody else for this. Because he's been dishonest with us on many other things, then people think he's being dishonest on the vaccine. So frankly, I think the vaccine does reduce your risk for being very sick. You still may get it, but I think you will get less sick if you've been vaccinated. I think that is, a, is, is an honest fact. But because Dr. Fauci has said cloth masks work, they don't work, because he's changed his mind on so many things, because he's like, you know, talking about dating on Tinder and whether you should go to a restaurant or whether you can visit your family, because he's so bizarre and over the top on all these things he's advocated, he's turned off so many people that if people are hesitant to believe what government says, they're like, well, Fauci lies all the time. Maybe he's lying about the vaccine. I'm trying to give a reasoned middle position right. that my recommendation would be, if you're at risk, take the vaccine, but voluntarily so. And I think over 65 without question, and I think under 65 and overweight at any age, probably it is reasonable, particularly over age 18. But the thing is, talk to your doctor. This right. is an individualized decision. This isn't something that I or Fauci or anybody in government should tell you what to do. All I can do is tell you some advice, and then you should make the decision. But this is the problem with central planning, whether it's in economics or medicine. You let one person make the decision, and what if they're wrong? That's why we have thousands of doctors and millions of doctors and everybody making decisions, and then you arrive at the truth in your own way with your interactions with your doctor and information. You know, it's worked for 245-plus years. I think we should stick with uh, letting the Americans make their own decisions based upon the recommendations of their doctors and and others. Senator, we're out of time. Always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us. Thank you. All right, folks, stick around. We're coming back on the other side of the break with more Washington Watch. Are you struggling to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. The Stand on the Word reading plan takes you through daily scripture in an engaging manner to help you stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, 
visit frc.org Bible. With the current division and confusion of our culture, it is so important for Christians to root ourselves in the truth of God's word so that we are prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. For this purpose, Family Research Council launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. The Center applies the Bible and the historical teachings of the church to current issues. This helps Christians understand and live by a biblical worldview, know why scripture must be authoritative, and equips believers to advance and defend the faith in workplaces, schools, communities, and the public square. The experts at the center address and provide resources on issues like religious liberty, abortion, voting, marriage, and sexuality. To access free resources like the Biblical Worldview series, go to frc.org worldview. To get highlights of the latest work of the Worldview Fellows, including blogs, interviews, and publications, sign up at frc.org subscriptions. At Family Research Council, it is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, we've decided to be proactive to make sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. That is why we've created a tech subscription platform. If we get canceled, you can stay informed and still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get special alerts on the biggest stories of the day. You can stay informed with just a simple text. We want you to be able to stay connected with like-minded community and to always have access to our content. Stay connected and informed. Just text STAND to 67742. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, Republican Glenn Youngkin may have uh, been declared the winner in the Virginia governor's race, but taking the center stage has been concerned parents in the state of Virginia who made the difference on Election Day. The issue was the issue of education. Now, this was not missed on MSNBC last night in their election coverage. Here's uh, Nicole Wallace discussing Glenn Youngkin's focus on education. Second big lie is his his I watched his rally last Saturday. His his campaign promise, and he was making this promise in Loudon and in Alexandria, is on day one. I'm going to ban critical race theory. That is like us banning the ghosts. Right. There are no ghosts. That's right. That's so we can say, you know what, 7 p.m. we're banning the ghosts. There are no ghosts. There isn't critical race theory talk. But what exactly. he's done is he's laundered Trump's really sort of disgusting, flagrant out-racism. Yep. He's wrapped it in education, yep. and he's given it a lie as a label. And they said he's going to ban it. There isn't any critical it's race theory. It's a legal theory not taught in public schools. Well, they need to tell that to the Virginia Department of Education because it's actually posted on their website. Joining me now to discuss the role of parental rights and education in the Virginia election and the effort he's a part of to protect those rights is U.S. Senator John Bozeman of Arkansas, who is himself a father of three and a grandfather of four, as well as a former school board member. Senator, welcome back to the program. I am. Thank you, Tony, for having me. And again, let me just give you a, a big shout out and all the people that are praying for you and in your ministry, the, the tremendous job that you're doing because, because of people like you that do such a good job. We're the tip of the spear here, but, but letting people know exactly what's going on and, uh, that's really what it's all about, is giving great information. I think that's the difference in races like Virginia and New Jersey. I appreciate that, Senator. Thank you. And, and let me start right there. Let me get your thoughts on the uh, the victories that uh, we saw in Virginia last night for conservative candidates. Well, it's overwhelming. And, you know, they can blow it off on, on different reasons. But the reality is that the policies that are being pushed out of Washington the policies that are being pushed out of the state houses uh, in New Jersey, Virginia, all over the country uh, are out of touch with the reality. And so the good news is people are standing up and saying, no, you know, we're, we're simply not going to take this anymore. I was a school board member for seven years. 
And I got on the school board. We had great schools. I just wanted to be a part of, you know, being uh, making sure that we continued down that path. But I can tell you the idea that when, you know, when people are upset and they do get upset about their children, rightfully so, sometimes wrongfully so, but they ought to have the opportunity to uh, speak, you know, what's on their mind and not be labeled as terrorist, as uh, our attorney general uh, indicated. Now, Senator, you've been at this for a while. I have as well. Sometimes there is misinterpretation of election results. Uh, I personally, my view is that this is uh, the American people, at least the voters that had the opportunity to go to the polls. uh, They basically gave thumbs down to the Biden administration and the Democratic policies. I do not necessarily think that this was a wholehearted embracement of the Republican Party, although that said, I do think Glenn Youngkin was uh, very much in tune with what the voters were thinking and doing in Virginia. So I certainly give him credit for that. But what needs to happen here to build on this momentum from yesterday? Well, you're right. It was it was a rejection of the Democrats and, and all of the some of the crazy things that they're started that they're trying to do this the inflation aspect now, the spending, the $1.9 trillion bill that's already been passed, the idea of spending another $1.75 to $4 trillion, whatever it is, nobody knows because it's coming out of the White House almost exclusively. But people aren't stupid. They realize that that, uh, gas is up $1.25 per gallon nationally. Uh, They understand that that everybody's talking about their... uh, Heating bills going up about 35% uh, this winter. What does that do to people on fixed incomes? What does it do to, to single moms that are working so, so very hard? So these are these are the areas that, that they, they understand they're pushing back. And uh, they went and voted, and uh, it's made a tremendous difference. I hope that the Democrats will understand, uh, you know, that this is a repudiation of their policies and... Uh, uh, that we can actually get some good things done for the country. The two things I hear about as I'm out and about are labor, labor, labor. Uh, nobody can get anybody to work. And then the other thing is the supply chain. Yeah. These are the kind of things that we need to be focused on, doing something about <clears throat> rather than trying to enact cradle-to-grave spending measures. I think you're absolutely right. That uh, in, in these mandates, I think people, you know, they, they don't mind getting suggestions they wouldn't mind. Uh, we were just talking with uh, your colleague, Rand Paul, uh, about the, the vaccine mandate. I think if you put all the science on the table, people could make informed decisions and they'd be fine with that. In fact, I think there would be more people vaccinated if we weren't mandating it. Now, you've joined some of your colleagues in the Senate to introduce a resolution supporting parents' rights to be fully and actively involved in the education of their children. Um, What do you say to those like Terry McAuliffe that say schools should be left to the professionals and parents should stay home? Well, I would say to Terry McAuliffe and and others in that group that that's why you got beat. Uh, You know, a significant number of people uh, came out and voted against him. And I think voted against the governor in uh, New Jersey also based on policies like that. You know, that's the beauty. I I figured out very quickly that on the school board, I I didn't have an individual vote in Arkansas uh, on the school board. But if I could get three others, we had seven there. So if you had a majority of four, you really had absolute control of the school system. Uh, The school boards are still very, very important there. And so school boards, our administrators simply have to pay attention. And when when you get to the point that you feel like you know everything... Uh, you know, talk down to the people that you're there to serve. These are service jobs. Right. And uh, when you do that, then I think the results you see is what we saw. Well, Virginia. that's when uh, voters take uh, voters voters take them to school and teach them a few things uh, of well who's, who's actually in control. Senator Bozeman, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Look forward to uh, visiting with you again real soon. Well, thank you, and thanks for the great work. Thank you, Senator. All right, coming up, we'll take uh, a a deeper look at yesterday's election results. We're talking about education, but there were other things that were a part of this growing pushback against the left's agenda. Uh, We're going to be joined by Congressman Jody Heiss of Georgia next. So don't go away. More Washington Watch to come. 
is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Finley Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media, even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. Republicans today have much to celebrate with a number of Election Day victories being among uh, the many reasons. Uh, and we'll discuss uh, more of that in the next segment with uh, FRC Action's Brent Kyland. Another development that the GOP has been uh, celebrating is the Atlanta Braves playoff, uh, which was uh, capped last night with the World Series championship win. Major League Baseball earlier this year had punished the city of Atlanta over the state's new election laws by taking away uh, the All-Star game from Atlanta uh, that it was set to host. But the Atlanta Braves brought the World Series to the city, which helped local businesses that had been hurt by the MLB's politically motivated decision. Now, uh, I'm not a baseball fan, not much of a sports fan, but I was celebrating this because I think it was it just... It just was right. Join me now to talk more about this and yesterday's elections result is uh, U.S. Congressman Jody Heiss, who represents the 10th Congressional District of Georgia. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Always oh, great to be with you, Tony. And yeah, listen, it was a great day for Atlanta uh, and the Braves. And uh, there could not be more poetic justice than what took place with uh, the Braves winning the a World Series last night after losing the All-Star game. Uh, it's just, it was amazing. You know, Major League Baseball and woke corporations and whomever else might be able to move the uh, All-Star game, but they cannot take the World Series away. Right. And Atlanta lost about $100 million by that All-Star game being moved. But so, you know, they got it back with it, uh, with the World Series back in Atlanta. So plus was, some. Yeah, plus some. So it was it was really a great great win on multiple fronts. It was. It was a good slap down from Major League Baseball, in my view. That was the reason I was celebrating. But speaking of entertainment, I want to play a clip from uh, last night. MSNBC, they're not good for news, but they're good for entertainment. Uh, this was their election uh, night coverage. Uh, Joy Reid said Republicans are dangerous. Play clip number six. These Republicans are dangerous, that this isn't a party that's just another political party that disagrees with us on tax policy, that at this point, they're dangerous. They're dangerous to our national security because stoking that kind of soft white nationalism eventually leads to the hardcore stuff. It leads to the January 6th stuff. How do you respond to that? It's unbelievable. Uh, You know, I mean, they, they cannot get away from January 6th for one thing. But beyond that, you talk about dangerous. Then let's talk about open borders. Let's talk about the terrorists, the rapists, the 
criminals, the drug uh, users, and uh, the, the human trafficking that's taking place at our southern border. Uh, let's talk about what's happening in China and in Russia. Let's talk about losing our energy independence and now being reliant upon nations that, that hate the United States. I mean, we can go on and on. Tony. You, you, you missed that. you missed Afghanistan. Afghanistan. Uh, a little dangerous to be left behind in Afghanistan as an American citizen. Yeah, and and yet to uh, to stand for policies that are good for Americans, and we are accused as dangerous. It is absolute. This I hope this type of clip opens the eyes of the people all across this country as to the the reality of the type of people that we are dealing with. People who are irrational, who do not understand love of this country and liberty and justice for all, maximum freedom and limited government is a good thing. Right. That is why people from all across the world are trying to get into the United States, not escape it. You're absolutely right. It is why they are stacked up at our southern border trying to get across. It's because of the policies of the Republicans and conservatives that have propelled this country forward not the policies that are currently destroying our economy and uh, chipping away at our freedoms. Let's talk for just a moment, Congressman Heiss, about how Republicans can continue the momentum from yesterday's significant wins into the midterms. Yeah, listen, yesterday was uh, stunning uh, if you're a Democrat. Uh, I think many of us on, on the right, uh, we saw this coming because we have seen, we have talked to, we have heard from, we have been out with the people all across this country, people who are scared of the tyranny that they are seeing from this current administration, from vaccine mandates uh, to uh, the, the economy, now inflation, the, uh, the supply chain that's crumbling, the shelves that are empty. Uh, people are scared of what's happening. We are seeing policies like critical race theory uh, being crammed down the, the throats of our, our children, and on and on and on. People are rejecting socialism. They are rejecting woke politics. And that is really what the statement was last night. And I believe many Democrats were totally caught off guard. They were shocked. They had no words. And I can tell you here in D.C. today, uh, it, there was just an atmosphere of panic among Democrats, they, they realize that they have gone off the cliff and they have done so without the American public behind them. And they themselves now are in serious trouble. They're going to have to change. And we'll see what that change is going to look like. Sometimes in this type of scenario, they just double down. Uh, we'll, we'll see what they're going to do. But the American people have soundly rejected the socialist woke politics of the Democratic Party. Well, and I think as Republicans continue to provide a contrast, an alternative of a way forward, and then hopefully if the Republicans do retain or regain the majority in the midterm, they will follow through on all of those promises, providing a better way forward. Congressman, we're out of time. Always great to have you on the program. So good to talk with you, Jody. Have a great afternoon. Likewise, Tony. Thank you so much. God bless. All right, folks, stick with us. On the other side of the break, we're going to be joined by Congressman Kevin Brady of Texas, the ranking member on the House Ways and Means Committee. We'll be uh, taking a look at what's happening with this massive spending bill that the president just can't get across the line. That's next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media, even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In Scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty.
What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In Scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Attention university students, are you looking for an internship that will help you grow as a Christian leader and allow you to positively influence the culture? Then Family Research Council's internship program is for you. FRC's life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program will prepare and equip you for the next step in your professional journey. You'll enjoy a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training. All of these offerings were created to aid you in your personal and professional development. As an intern, you will have the opportunity to work side-by-side with our experts in policy, communications, event planning, and more. The real-world experience you gain will prepare you to pursue a career of influence and make a difference wherever God calls you. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. Uh, again, coming up November the 28th, from coast to coast, border to border, we will pray together for life. To find out how you can be a part of a special event that's going to be taking place in Jackson, Mississippi, the epicenter of the Dobbs case, which is challenging the constitutionality of Roe v. Wade. Text the word TOGETHER, the word TOGETHER, to 67742. That's 67742 to find out how you can be a part of it. Well, the governor's race in Virginia wasn't the only bad news President Biden came home to after attending the U.N. climate confab in Scotland. This morning, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi announced in a Dear Colleague letter she was asking the House Ways and Means Committee for its legislation for paid family medical leave to be included in this morning's hearings on the Build Back Better Act. Now, this will almost certainly increase the size of the bill that the American people will have to pay. That, you have to ask, is that a deal killer when it comes to some of the moderate senators who have said, look, we're not going bigger than the 1.75? Uh, She closed the letter with these words, quote, today is another momentous day in our historic effort to make the future better for the American people, for the children, to build back better with women, to save the planet, end quote. A momentous day it is, but uh, not for the reason she has in mind. Joining me now with the latest on this ever-growing giant social spending bill is the ranking member of the House Ways and Means Committee, Congressman Kevin Brady. He represents the 8th Congressional District of Texas. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Good to see you, Tony. Thanks for having me. All right, Congressman, give us the latest. Uh, Where does this thing stand? Yeah, so we just got a a new 2,070-page bill here uh, a few moments ago, and they're already rushing it to the Rules Committee to set the rules for House floor debate. Uh, The bill is getting bigger. It is... And this is hard to believe because after all these tax hikes, including on small businesses and tax hikes that will drive American jobs overseas, uh, they already had $550 billion of green pork, but they managed to sneak in more tax pork uh, in this bill for the wealthy 1%. They get a huge windfall in the state and local deduction, new tax breaks for trial lawyers, Uh, labor unions, recording uh, artists, uh, and more. And so uh, this bill just keeps getting bigger, all 
with special interest giveaways. So do we do we have a, a final price tag on this yet? Yeah, so the sh short answer is no, we don't. And we probably won't see that for a while. The big question is, will, will the House even have a price tag when, when Democrats vote on it? Uh, on the House floor, my guess is, Probably not. Well, you got to vote. Uh, they you, read it. They you don't know what's in it. You got to vote for it first, then find out how much it cost. Yeah, apparently so. But what we do know that it is. Uh, well, you would think with President Biden, you know, last week he got the worst economic news of his presidency. Where last quarter, essentially, our economy didn't grow. He's almost a million jobs short of his promises, and Americans basically are questioning his competence to lead this economy. And now you would think he wouldn't make the economy worse. But that's what he's doing with this tax and spending bill, including, we think, driving as many as 2 million Americans out of the workforce at a time our small businesses and manufacturers are already struggling. And at the end of the day, too, I think our families, your viewers, are going to continue to see inflation rise and last a lot longer, thanks to Democrats. Well, let me talk about a few of those issues. I, I want to go to a statement from White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. Uh, who was asked about uh, Senator Manchin's plan or support for the plan. And she went on to say the plan, and I'm quoting from the White House uh, website, this was her statement, the plan the House is finalizing meets those tests. It is fully paid for, will reduce the deficit, and bring down costs for health care, child care, elder care, and housing. Experts agree. 17 Nobel Prize-winning economists have said it will reduce inflation. As a result, we remain confident the plan will gain Senator Manchin's support, end quote. Uh, how, how does spending more money, I mean, of this size, bring down inflation and the deficit? Yeah, it can't unless it wrecks the economy so completely that there, there aren't uh, inflationary pressures. But in truth, when you, the recipe for higher inflation is when you spend more and more trillions out of Washington, send it in the economy with fewer and fewer workers to, uh, to staff and man our production lines. Uh, it is a recipe for that. This is not fully paid for. It's got more budget gimmicks than you can imagine. Uh, it will not reduce inflation. Uh, it will not reduce the deficit uh, in any way. And I think at the end of the day, you know, I don't know how many tens of thousands or millions of jobs we will lose both here and forcing these jobs overseas. But this is also an economic surrender to Russia, China, Japan, and Europe. And the U.S., you know, I can't imagine a worse time to be inflicting the American public with this. That's why I think when people find out what's in this bill, I think that was one of the, one of the reasons we saw such a huge win in Virginia last night and almost a huge upset in New Jersey. Yeah. You know, pe people have grown accustomed to politics. You know, if the Republicans propose something, the Democrats say it's bad. If the, you know, vice versa, you know, we, we've become very polarized. And so we sometimes just kind of don't really listen or look at what is being done. But I'm, I'm have, I have to say this, Kevin. I, I just think they're being dishonest about what they're telling the American people. And this is beyond politics. This is just an issue of honesty and deception, and, and they're deceiving. Here's, I want to play a clip from the president yesterday. This was uh, during his press conference at the, uh, the Climate Confab. He was asked about his reasons, the reasons that prices are up. Play clip number eight, please. A significant reason why prices are up is because of COVID affecting the supply chain. I mean, I know you, I'm not trying to be instructive. I know you know this, number one. Number two, um, if you take a look at, uh, you know, gas prices and you take a look at uh, oil prices, uh, that is a consequence of, thus far, the refusal of, uh, of uh, Russia or uh, or the OPEC nations to uh, pump more oil. We were energy independent until this administration. Yes, well, President Biden spent eight years in the White House blaming George Bush for everything, so that's his default to do it. But the truth of the matter is this, this president has made us less energy independent we are our, our American-made energy can rise to this occasion in a, in a 
in a, immediately, but he's begging OPEC, our foreign competitors, to send us uh, energy. It makes no sense whatsoever. And it's his policies that have driven and kept so many Americans out of the workforce. And in this new bill, uh, they are going to, in the new child tax credit, which Republicans created to help families afford the cost of kids, and also as part of our welfare reform to, to connect, to, especially single moms, to good-paying jobs. Well, they take away any requirement for earnings or work. It becomes another welfare system. So that alone will drive about one and a half million Americans out of the workforce, we fear permanently. And the Obamacare subsidies are so lavish, you'll get better health care, at least more affordable health care, without going to work than you would returning. So uh, he continues to blame everyone. But the public is figuring out these are his policy. He owns them. And that's why they are holding him accountable already at the polls. So finally, Kevin, just to put all this together, all right, we have these supply chain issues, people not in the workforce, you know, up to this point, they've been paid to stay home. Now there's more incentives in this um, uh, reconciliation bill to do the same. So our supply chain issue is not going to get any better, but we're going to see a flood of money coming into the economy. Inflation is going to continue to rise. Cost of goods are going to continue to rise. This looks like it's only going to make the situation worse. Yeah, I I have no doubt, Tony, it will. You know, the president, you know, the only phrase I can think of, the president is bungling the economy. This should have been, 2021 should have been the strongest economic years in, 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 in maybe in our lifetimes. It is just the opposite of that. We're barely above zero in growth. Uh, he's missed the mark uh, on the three quarters of his, uh, each of the three quarters. He's zero for three in meeting the economic projections. Now it's so dumbed down. Look, I think half of Americans I saw in a poll uh, earlier yesterday believe we're headed for a recession in the next year. And they are so worried about the economic future for themselves. This is, this is the president as the White House, Democrats, the House, and the Senate, they really have no one to blame but, but themselves. Final question for you very quickly. Uh, will the infighting among Democrats keep this reconciliation bill from going forward? Is there the possibility that this will not be passed into law? It could, and I still hold out hope for that, especially because of last night's elections where everyone now knows the American public is rejecting all of this. So we will need, you know, Democrats in moderate districts to step forward and say no. We are counting on Senator Manchin to make significant changes, including restoring the Hyde Amendment to this spending to protect the innocent to. unborn, uh, to get rid of this uh, big salt giveaway uh, to the wealthy while the middle class get nothing. And so we are, as conservatives, continuing to fight this fight and pull the curtain back on all this, because what we know is the more the public sees and understands what's in here, boy, the less they believe it helps them. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Kevin Brady, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Good to see you, Tony. Take care. You too. Kevin Brady of uh, Texas, ranking member on the House Ways and Means Committee. And, and here's, folks, this is your this is your part here You need to weigh in with your member of Congress, especially you say, well, I've got a Democratic member. All the better, all the better that they hear from you, uh, that they know that you do not like what's in this spending bill. It's too much money. Just take a look at it. You know, we put information out. uh, But contact your member of Congress. Uh, Go to TonyPerkins.com. We've got links where you can get to your member of Congress and make it real easy. And speaking of uh, communicating with your elected officials, Brent Kylan. Vice President of FRC Action joins me here in studio. Brent, uh, looked like you were up late last night, huh? You know, Tony, I was. It was, uh, it was uh, a good night, but a late night. I was up very late, yes. I was actually glad that the, uh, the Virginia race was pretty much called early because that was only the one I was really tracking closely, and I was able to text uh, Glenn Youngkin uh, early in the evening and then go to bed. Yes. Well, there was a lot of action that happened after that, too, and, and all good things. And, you know, the, the Virginia race, and, and rightly so, has gotten most of the national attention, that governor's race. But if you look at the other races across the country, it was a very good night 
for conservatives in, in really every part of the country. Uh, picked up governor's race, lieutenant governor's race, uh, first uh, black female to hold that position in Virginia. Picked up the attorney general race, first Latino to hold that position in Virginia. Picked up the House. But then if you look at some of these other races, Tony, in Pennsylvania, it looks like the, the uh, Republicans ran the table on some of these, um, these judicial races. Uh, in Texas, they flipped a Democrat state House seat. In New Jersey, that race is extremely close for governor. That was a uh, a seat that Joe Biden won, or, or a state Joe Biden won by 16 points just one year ago. In a, a story that's emerging a lot today, getting a lot of press today, is in the state Senate in uh, in New Jersey. There's a Republican. He spent 100 and, uh, $153 in the primary who is poised to unseat the Democrat state president, uh, Senate president. Uh, longest pretty tenured, good investment. It's a pretty good investment. Longest tenured uh, Senate president in New Jersey history. Um, uh, pundits there are saying this could be one of the biggest political upsets in New Jersey history. He's got a, a, a lead of a couple thousand votes. Almost all the vote in is uh, counted. And so we could be looking at some very, very significant results there. Also some very good signs from school board races across the country as well. And many of the pundits look at this off-year election in Virginia and and New Jersey and elsewhere as kind of a a bellwether of what's to come in the midterm elections next year. Absolutely. All of the candidates, all of the strategists, all of the pundits are looking to this to really set that mood and and especially what are the big issues. And, you know, this poll we saw saying uh, 25 percent of Virginia voters said critical race theory was the top issue and 72 percent of them said it was a uh, influential issue. All of the candidates are going to take note of that. So uh, I think, Tony, hats off to the parents who have been involved in this ish- this issue, the uh, citizens who have been committed. Um, when that letter came out saying uh, you might be dubbed a domestic terrorist for uh, showing up your local school board, they didn't let this phase them. And voters now took note, um, and, and this is now going to have national implications uh, across the country next year. Well, it's not time to slow down or coast. It's time Absolutely. to put the... Uh, the pedal to the That's metal right. and, uh, and and keep moving forward. That's so, right. you know, kudos to all those parents who have stepped forward, gone to the school board meetings, those that have been a part of uh, elections, making themselves candidates, recalling candidates. But this is just the beginning. I mean, I think we could see a, a turn in Congress, both in the House and the Senate, setting the stage for 2024. I, I totally agree, um, Tony. And again, looking at the national numbers, just a lot of stuff to uh, a lot of good signs for conservatives. But like you said, now it's not the time to take a victory lap uh, yeah. because of what happened at the ballot box. Uh, the people on the left pushing this will be forced to do one of th- two things next year. If we keep showing up, they'll have to give up the CRT issue or lose yeah. heavily at the ballot yeah. box next year. Brent, we're out of time. Great to see you. Good to see you, too, Good work uh, for FRC Action. We'll talk more later about uh, all that FRC Action was doing. Tune in tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, prayvotestand.org. Till next time, I leave you with the encouraging words the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, prepared, and taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at one 866 372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.